0: Welcome to The Jury Is Out, a podcast for trial attorneys who want to sharpen their skills and better serve their clients. Your co-hosts are John Simon, founder of The Simon Law Firm, Tim Cronin, personal injury trial attorney at The Simon Law Firm, and St. Louis attorney Eric Veith.
1: Welcome to another episode of The Jury Is Out. I'm Eric Veith. I'm John Simon. We're back with Javad Kazali. Welcome back.
2: Nice to have you.
1: Welcome back again.
2: Yeah, nice to be here again. I think you guys are never going to get rid of me.
1: Does green card require an employer to sponsor you? or
2: So green card, it requires one of those relationships. So for us, it was an employer did it. Sometimes it's when you're in the U.S. and you get married to a U.S. citizen. I remember that conversation we had about how you got into the U.S. But if you came here, you always hear the stories about somebody came here as a student or a visitor mm-hmm. and then got married. If you come in Right now, we're seeing a a mass influx of Afghan refugees and Ukrainian refugees. They can apply for their green card a year after they get here. One of the things that's been like the coolest thing that I've done in the last year or so is there's a former politician in Missouri named Jason Kander.
0: Sure, Jason.
2: So Jason ran for Secretary of State. He ran for Senate and almost won as a Democrat the year that Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton by 14 points. Barack Obama called Jason, had him fly to D.C. Barack asked him to run for president, and he did. And he was actually doing really well until he dropped out because he was dealing with undiagnosed PTSD from his time serving in Afghanistan. He put on the internet that he needed an immigration attorney that knew this stuff. A bunch of people tagged me. So in August of 2021, right before Kabul fell, we started working on a project where we were trying to get four families out of Afghanistan whose relatives were interpreters. So there were four U.S. military people trying to get their interpreters' families out. This was supposed to be like a two-week project that Jason and I were working on. We had these people. We were calling everybody homeland. Finally, we got connected to the Marines. They were going to take our people to the airport and put them on a U.S. military plane. We call those great Tales. As our people are walking towards the airport, the suicide bombing happens. So that project ends, right? So now we have to figure out how to get them out. And through Jason and a lot of people that he knew and some great people in DC, we were able to raise money and we took these people to a different city called Mazar Sharif and we raised enough money to get a plane to come in and smuggle them out. But that plane held enough seats for almost 380 people. So now we started pairing up with a whole bunch of different, just ragtag groups of military. Mm. And we put together a manifest of almost 380 people And with Jason's help through Hillary Clinton, we were able to get them to Albania. In my whole life of doing things, i never thought I'd go to Albania. I've been there twice in the last year and a half. And the people have been stuck in Albania. We've gotten assurances from the State Department that they will be processed by the end of this January.
1: How long have they been there?
2: They got there in late September, early October 2021. So we're going to be at plus a year and a half, almost two years. A big chunk of them are coming to St. Louis through the International Institute. Those people will come in as refugees. They'll be able to work immediately. Then a year later, they can apply for their green cards. And that takes about a year. And then once they get their green cards, they can apply for citizenship five years later.
1: Javad, how many people legally immigrate to the United States every year?
2: I don't know the answer to that. I can tell you that the last statistics I looked at were at in 2016. And there were about 1 million immigration forms filed a year. My guesses were probably in the several hundred thousand.
1: That come in legally each year. Yeah. And <laughs> is that a, apart from refugees, is refugees a whole other animal?
2: Yes. So two. you can see I'm passionate about this and helping refugees and especially refugees who fought with us is a big pa- passion of mine. The U.S. has commitments that we make. And we've committed to about 80,000 a year refugees during the last few years of the Trump years that was shut down to zero, not a single refugee. The other thing is that there's a special visa called an SIV visa, a special immigrant visa, which is a visa that a military person can apply for to bring over somebody from another country who fought with us, who was there protecting us and whose lives are in danger. During the last nine months of the Trump administration, zero SIBs were processed. So we've had this backlog of people. The Biden administration has picked it up, but nowhere near what is- to the number that they have to. Now, you can give the Biden administration some interesting credit. So I think we've conflated two terms, so I think I need to clarify this. Immigrants is what we're using. Immigrant is a term that is used for people who are coming to the United States with the intention and the ability to stay here permanently. We do have a lot of non-immigrants. If your friend from Spain decides to come here for three weeks to go to Vegas or go to your kid's wedding and leaves, that's a non-immigrant. Somebody comes here to work for Monsanto on an H-1B visa, they're a non-immigrant. There's no green card at the end of the road. So we get millions of people, Canadians just drive across the border who are coming here just for a week. We get millions upon millions of non-immigrants coming in. That's different from when we're talking about the immigrants.
1: These are people who are here with the intention to stake. Right. Here in Missouri, we have a way to check into your case to see what's happening in your case. So for immigration cases, if you're an attorney, what are your options for knowing what's going on?
2: So that is actually interesting that some things have changed. There's two different ways to file a case. One of them is affirmatively. That is when you're just filing an application with the government. And then there's defensive, where your person is in removal or deportation, immigration court proceedings. The immigration court has actually moved a little bit in the last few years. It used to be you just mailed everything in on paper, and then you could go to a website and just see when your next court date is and if it's a status hearing or a trial. That's it. In the last year or so, they've been moving to electronic, And trying to do something that is much more pacer, where you'll be able to see all the filings when they happen. Both sides can e-file stuff. So that's great. On the affirmative side, it's Kafka-esque. how terrible this is. It never was great. This is a very paper-driven system. So you would send in an application, you would get a receipt notice. And with that receipt notice, you could plug it in to a website and figure out what the last thing that happened was so after you get the receipt number you were able to go onto a website and type in the receipt number and it would tell you the last thing that happened in the case and there was so that doesn't seem like a lot but that was awesome to us and there used to be a website where you could go on as an attorney and if you had a question pick a date they would have a calendar for the local office put it in and go in and talk to them during the trump administration that was taken away our ability to email Any supervisor was taken away. And now they've come up with one of the most insane systems that I've ever heard of. And if the stuff that we talked about earlier makes you want to jab out your eyes with a knife, this is even worse. So now for me to get an update on a case, I have to call an 800 number. That 800 number can have a wait of sometimes six minutes, sometimes eight hours you put on hold. When they answer the phone, if you have a paralegal, they can talk for one minute and they have one minute to get you on the phone. If you're in court, if you are in the bathroom, you miss the minute, they hang up, but you got to start the whole process again. Then, but let's say you're lucky. It only takes you an hour. Your paralegal gets you on the phone. You answer all the questions for the first line, you know, the, the first level person. And you convince them, hey, my client's got a problem. I need to see somebody in person. They need a new stamp in their passport. I've been waiting for a green card for three years. Their green card's expired. They need to travel. You have to put a physical stamp in the passport. Then they say, okay, I do not have the ability to give you that appointment. I am going to take it to a second-level supervisor. Then you have to give them a phone number. Always needs to be your cell because then at some point within the next 72 hours, and remember, they can call you any place from 7 a.m. Eastern time till 9 p.m. Eastern time. You will get a call from a supervisor on a 202 number, which is the DC number. You have one chance to answer that number. If you are in court, if you are sick, if you're at your kid's school, if you just left your phone in another room and you miss it, tough. Start the whole process over.
1: If you're giving a lecture, like you told me. Yeah, so
2: uh, a few years ago before the pandemic, I was giving a lecture in Kansas City to 200 immigration attorneys. And I was on stage and my cell phone went off and I looked on it, it was a 202 number, and I had to literally get off the stage, tell everybody what it was, they all understood, go out in the hallway for 10 minutes and do this. If you miss it, the call, you then have to go back, have your paralegal call, wait that six minutes to eight hours, have them call you again, it's nuts. And they did this literally in a press release that says, we are improving our customer service. If you're going to kick me in the nuts, at least tell me you're kicking me in the nuts. Don't tell me that we're giving you scrotal massages. It's nuts. And we are two plus years into the Biden administration, and that hasn't changed. Some things have gotten better with some things, with a lot of things, with what we do have gotten better. The processing has got happened quicker We're getting less dumb stuff, but a lot of these legacy things that were put into place are still there. And so I asked, I do federal court litigation. I argued appellate cases in front of the Eighth Circuit. When I look at the difference between that and doing these hearings and these trials, until last year, I had a tape deck in my office because if I wanted to get, there are no transcripts from immigration court. If I wanted to find out what happened, I would have to get a copy of an audio tape and listen to it. Not like an MP3, literally like Walkman back in 1984. It's yesterday's technology tomorrow.
1: We heard a lot about dreamers hmm? during Trump. What What's happening on that front?
2: So let's talk about what a dreamer is. A dreamer is somebody who was entered the country undocumented or their status expired. But they came into the country when they were under 16 years old. They've lived in the country for many years. They either got, there's restrictions on this. They either went into the military or got a high school diploma. They have no criminal record. And across the board, everybody agrees that these people are Americans in all but name. So President Obama signed an executive order that allowed these people to stay in a legal limbo until the government took action to fix this, and the government never did. President Biden has put forth a whole bunch of new executive orders and policies to protect these people. But here's another thing that we've been seeing that has been very interesting, is that there are specific federal courts in America that only have one judge in them. Like, if I were to file a lawsuit against the government in St. Louis, in the Eastern District of Missouri. I have, I think right now, there's 11 different judges I could get. Majority of them appointed by conservative presidents, but there's a few Obama people in there. But generally, I get a mix of people. There are certain courts, especially in Texas, where there are subdivisions, where there's a single judge. And what has happened is, Namely, Texas and Missouri, their attorney generals will, whenever the Biden administration puts forth one of these policies, will then sue. But they will magically file the lawsuit in this one division where it ends up in front of Judge Tipton, who is a Trump ideologue, and he will knock it down. It's the same thing that they did in a different place where they were trying to overrule an abortion. Pill that was approved by the FDA 20 years ago. It's specific forum shopping that they're doing. So, that judge basically has said that within the next year or so, within the next few months, he's going to make a ruling that we think is going to basically get rid of the Dreamer program totally. He basically restricted it over and over. No new people can apply for it. We have it out loud for new people. And soon he's going to say, pretty confident that we can't renew those cases. So you're gonna have hundreds of thousands of people who've been here since being children and who've been here for decades that are gonna lose all immigration status. And here's I'm a big believer in also saying, how does this affect you as an American citizen? It's gonna affect you a lot. Number one, these people are no longer going to have legal work status. So if they're one of your employees, you're gonna have to make the call Am I going to continue apply employing them in violation of law, or am I going to lose an employee that I really need? Here are two things we talked about that I find to be very interesting if we look at this from a selfish American point of view. Every state's rules about getting a driver's license are different. In Illinois, right across the border from St. Louis, you can get a driver's license if you can show you lived in Illinois for one year. You don't have to show your immigration status. You don't have to show anything. You just have to show you've been here for one year. In Missouri, it's very difficult for somebody undocumented to get—it's that impossible for them to get a driver's license. And I can imagine somebody saying, why should we give them driver's licenses? They're not here legally, blah, blah, blah. And I say, I don't care about that. I care about if somebody gets into a car accident with me from a very selfish point of view. Do I want that person to have car insurance? We have built a whole environment where we've made it impossible for people to get car insurance. This is Missouri. There's parts of it that are Missouri. They don't have public transportation. You have to drive. So we are intentionally putting millions of people on the road who don't have car insurance. And that was a choice that we made. Here's another place that I find interesting. Your gut feeling, if I were to tell you, hey... There's a person here who's undocumented, doesn't have work authority, and they're working using a fraudulent social security number. Is that good or bad? Most people are going to be like, oh, my God, you've got people committing social security fraud. What nobody talks about is all of these people are paying into the social security system because they're giving their employer a social security number. That employer is paying Social Security tax on it. It's going into an empty pit. That worker is never going to go get that money. So that money now that the undocumented worker is paying in Social Security is now a buffer that is helping prop up our Social Security system. Sometimes you'll see people who will be like, Javad, I don't know what happened. I just did a run on my Social Security benefits, and they're like $100 a month more than they should have been. I only worked for 15 years. Why am I this? And then you look at you like, yeah. Some guy was using your Social Security and was paying money into your account. That's free money for you, dude. Take it. There are all of these secondary benefits that are good for Americans if we do it correctly.
1: These sound like winning issues, the reform ideas that you're floating, sound like winning ideas if only we'd have real conversations.
2: We've ha- but we've had the conversations, Eric. We just have certain people who know that for them it's much better to say, All our problems are the damn illegals. So there's no advantage politically for that. But across the board, these debates about this have been happening for 30 years.
1: But are they happening in the right places? It it sounds like if we had enlightened selfishness, we'd be much better. Every
2: year in Missouri, people testify about the driver's license issue. And every year in Missouri, the Republican Party refuses to do anything about it. Why? Because for them... This is a political thing for them. It is good that we have this as an issue. You've seen this on the other side, on the left. There's a good portion of the left, I think they were wrong, that were hoping that Roe got overturned because they thought this was going to be now a political issue. There are a whole bunch of people who also thought once abortion is gone, that's one less thing that we can do, that we can use. You can't think about this stuff politically. In the end, you gotta think about how this is affecting humans. Do we want a situation in which a five-year-old, a seven-year-old who's come into America not of their choice, can't go to school? Because what is that seven-year-old going to become? That seven-year-old who doesn't go to school, when they become 16 or 18 and don't have skills, that's not going to be good for us so we need to listen to what george hw bush said in 1980 and go to a position that is to the left of even the democrats here we need to do what's good for us we need to have people here who are working legally putting paying taxes helping us lower inflation and i was a prosecutor on this if they're committing violent crimes and stuff Arrest them, kick them the hell out, but let's replace them with somebody who's good. This idea that we're going to paint everybody with the same paintbrush doesn't make any sense to me. And the last part I'll put about this is every single family in America, when you sit down at Thanksgiving and have drinks with them, eventually they'll get back to their origin story. Unless their family currently lives on a reservation, they were immigrants. And Heiser Busch down the street tells the story of Adolphus Bush coming through. Every one of these things has an immigrant story. But now you read the stories about how the Irish were treated in America for years, how the Italians were. And then we go and say, but now the Irish and Italians are treating the next wave of immigrants. You're even seeing in sections of America where there are Central Americans who came into this country unlawfully and over the years were able to become lawful, who now are against the next wave coming in. When you run through a door to safety, you're not a good person if you slam the door behind you.
1: Javad, thank you for joining us for the second episode. Can you tell people how to reach out to you if they have questions?
2: Yeah, so I do cases all across the world. I deal with attorneys in all types of world. Our website is kwlawstl. So KW for Kazali Wersh Law and STL for St. Louis. You call our office at 314-288-0777 and just tell them how you heard about us and we'll have one of our attorneys talk to you and advise you on whatever we can with your clients.
1: Thank you for that. And thank you again for joining us for the second episode. This was fun. Yeah, thanks again. This has been another episode of The Jury is Out. I'm Eric Feith. I'm John Simon, and we'll see you next time.
0: The Jury is Out is brought to you by The Simon Law Firm. At The Simon Law Firm PC, we believe in the power of pooling resources in order to create powerful results. We often lend our trial skills and experience to lawyers around the country to achieve better results for their clients. Our attorneys welcome the opportunity to work with you on your case, offering vast resources, seasoned litigators, and a sterling reputation. You can contact us at 314-241-2929. And if you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to share your thoughts with John, Tim, and Eric at comments at thejuryisout.law and subscribe today because the best lawyers never stop learning.